Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So, welcome to the show. It's no idea yet. Um, I am Johnny, the host for this week. Hello, we've got Alistair. Hello. And we've got Freddie. Hello there. Join us on a journey of where we chat about what we think we know about, and then we go away for a week, and then we learn what we actually didn't know. And it's all about no idea yet. So, you, you, we will get to the yet bit, though, you know, so it's fine. Um, and we don't know what the episode topic is this week i do these guys don't Yet. what it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> airports <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I can't oh damn topic. it that was going to be mine next week <laughs> straight after what? cafes cafes hospitals schools and airports so the reason we've why... gone from we go from gcse topics to kindergarten topics <laughs> Or where the really planes go? Languages. Yeah. Where is the airport? <laughs> um, yeah, the reason why is in Bhutan, which is a Southeast Asian country. Um, there is an airport. Well, in Paro, uh, there's an airport, and it's the most dangerous airport in the world. I did. I saw a video of somebody's first pilot's first time landing at it, and it is the dodgiest landing I've ever seen in my life. And the reason why, there's only about half a dozen people who are allowed to land at this international airport. And you can see it's because it's in like a mountain range. So one, you get sidelined all the time by the winds. And then you're going in between mountains. You see the videos and they're super low down. You've got to watch out for like telephone cables and houses of how low they are. Because obviously high altitude in a mountain. Um, if it's cloudy, they can't fly. If it's nighttime, they can't fly. Because it's the only airport when you're coming in, you can't see the landing strip so you, you can see the, the videos then coming in they're in the, like oh. mountain either side of them they're coming in and they take a right turn and then immediately that's where they have to land so they have to do it blind and they're not like no you can't use any instruments everything's manual and it is just yeah it's mad and like effectively turning left turning left turning right turning right oh there's quickly land 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 and it's yeah just just mad and so i was like hmm then i was thinking traffic air controllers that's a crazy job that it's 24 7 well, super stressful job well paid but yeah you've got to stop people from crashing into each other because however good you are as a pilot you're also you you can't see everything that's going on all the time um but yeah so um thoughts airports let's um get a definition I like, uh freddie i like the oh a definition of an airport um i'm gonna say something to do with internationalness or i guess not because you can have domestic um i guess car park for planes closer. Car park for planes. <laughs> Car park for planes. Ah. My thing about be park. the biggest thing with airports was first impressions. What? Think about it. When any, Ooh, anyone comes to your country, country, it's their first impression of your country is their airport is your airport. Sorry. Mm. So a lot of countries I've been to that care about their sort of image as a country put a lot of effort into their airport. What's a country Dubai that doesn't care? <laughs> no, countries who really care. Like China's obviously the most obvious one, but. Yeah. Like, like, like you say, we're bad Dubai, like, they're, 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 like Singapore, like they've got just phenomenal airports. They're just so nice. And then we were yeah. like, UK, I mean, going to Luton, mate, you'll be, uh, <laughs> you'll be right. 
You're, I know you thought, but you're so right. That is the, literally the first thing someone will ever it's see. Always, unless, it's always the first thing. So if you go to Abu Dhabi, you can see the Ferrari world from outside the plane, and it's mad. It's a massive red little triangly thing with a big logo on top, and you can see like a Ferrari world from an airplane. It's great. But um, but yeah, totally. That's such a thing of like how, and I know um. Abby, brand, brand countries' brands are very important to that, you know. Like, yeah. Not not forever. I mean, like yeah, the brand of how mm. people perceive their country. So yeah. I think it was he helped with. I think it was it was it was one of the airports, and it's like the amount of money they spend on an airport is insane. It's so much, and I guess first you're thinking, oh, it's just like a, a private company which just has planes, but the the country's also going to be like, yeah, we want to make sure this is good. Well, if you want to show off. Spain. Um, so another thing of, I mean. There's other things as well, but duty free. What even is duty free? Have you invented in Ireland? I believe. Really? Yeah. yeah. Out of here. Go on. Is that it? That's my yeah, fact. Cool. <laughs> it's because no, of the border. It was. It's obviously a tax thing. That's that's the definition of it. But um, yeah, it was, it was actually. I think it was designed as something to like. Honestly, I can't remember. I learned this in economics when I did it at A level, like like eight years ago. So I cannot remember, but I'm sure that yeah, it was it. In originally from it was the idea for it was originally in Ireland, and yeah, I will look that up for next week because currently I have very little idea. Because I feel it used to be that you used to get really cheap stuff when you used to go to duty free, whereas now it's like no, nah, you don't anymore. I mean, maybe well, it like seems duty, it seems cheaper, right? But the same as just marketing of sales, like oh, it's now fifty percent off if you buy one get one free, but like actually the total cost is still expensive. I mean, maybe it is cheaper, but <laughs> yeah. I like the thing. He's like, you're still spending a lot of money there. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and um, another one is safety and pollution. I mean, like, how safe are airports? Do we need all the safety that we actually need going through it? Um, and then a sideline is a bit of, like, I guess not just even planes, but the actual airports themselves being, like, a contributor. Because if you think, like, the amount of, like, stuff that goes in and out, they've got, like... Most places have, what, 10 different restaurants, loads of different shops. So that's like a mini little, like, supermarket. And I had Could a you, friend yeah. who... I mean, who using an airport pre-9-11 now would be like... Man, it'd be like going to a bus oh, stop, yeah. basically. That's, that's, what, that's what plane travel used to the, be like. On the plane, you know. I'm guessing none of us remember travelling internationally pre-9-11. I'm guessing. I don't think I did. Really. Born in the mid-90s, so probably not. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever been, hadn't been on a plane by that point. But like, it makes me think about the fact that so many people work at an airport, right? I mean, I mean, this pre-COVID time, but like, all the shops are open. You have cleaners. You have like, not just the air traffic control people, like the people monitoring the. Ma- I mean, imagine being a manager for a store, but that store is also in an airport. All those people have to enter the airport and go through security clearance, right? They have to have their stuff scanned. Oh, well, that- the restaurants are open twenty-four hours a day, and like, having I worked in a restaurant for a long time, oh. and like, you need the closing time. Like, you need the time to like. Sort out the restaurant when it's not when it's closing. So if you've got a twenty four hours open restaurant, it's, it's mad. Isn't it? Yeah, with the kitchen, how do they even do it? I mean, like, I actually, don't... Like, you've got to clean, you've got to, yeah, clean up. You've got to polish all the cutlery. Like, it had to have that doing like round the clock, is it? So, yeah, I'm like, it's a so, different level. I had a friend. She worked in. Um, do you know like psst, psst, uh, for uh, working in the duty free section? Where like, so oh right, oh, right. people with. I was, I was like, what? Is she like? Is she like an anti mosquito person? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Hate for the listeners, Johnny just did like. Motion with his finger as if he's spraying something. What's made the a spray ch- noise. motion? Yeah, tell me about the. You know the well-known motion. You know, like that everyone knows when, when it's just when it's just audio and you can't see what we're doing. It is a it's um, a relatively close fist with a index finger on a rounded shape, but like a recording <laughs> logo. 
Okay. And the index finger flexes twice in time with a carefully orchestrated noise. I like um, that. I'm recording that. Yeah, but um, yeah. So, but she said she obviously she, I think she lived in Blackpool and had to travel to Manchester. And then she said you you have to travel to commute to work, and then you have to go through all security checks every morning. So you have to get there like an hour early. Well like half an hour early before you or 45 minutes before you start work just to get into the airport and then you go from there she did say working there they like they had loads of, like business trips stuff like that because she was like worked for like um chanel or something like that and you just get loads of freebies so that's always quite nice it'd be thing. nuts that's if like all the passengers have to go through that ridiculous amount and then just you were up for your job and you're just like yeah sure i've got it i've got you i mean what happens if somebody went in i've got i bought my own bottle like... of water because <laughs> <laughs> like because airports are made so incredibly idiot proof in the sense that you arrive at the biggest door, right? And the door says, go this way. And then you arrive and you go through that way. And it's like, it kind of like carefully sheepdogs you almost through to like the security and the big arrows to go here and here. That I've never noticed, because I haven't looked out for it, the entrance to where everyone else goes in, like where all the workers like must have to park their cars and all the workers have to go through another door. But what other door? In my head, there's just like the main door and you're in mm. arrivals or departures. <laughs> Just going up to the to, to like the the reception of a like EasyJet. Hi, I'm just coming to work. Um, can I get my and then ticket? you sit down on the on the baggage scale and it slides you in. <laughs> <laughs> we find it much easier just it's to a go conveyor away. belt. Yeah, we, we we've got these spare conveyor belts going around. So we just, yeah. <laughs> there you go. What just... about luggage? Like luggage being lost. Uh, my brother's. Um, oh, lost luggage. and found. He actually got. Um, we were at the airport and it was like, oh, we cut his luggage doesn't come out and we complained or complained. You know, like made a form we're like hey his luggage isn't here and then it turned out after some chatting and some phone calls that it was on the runway <laughs> it was on the runway like as in they're like yeah um they found it and it's like yeah where was it uh it was just that no but where was it and the person was flustered i guess and just couldn't think of the excuse it was literally it fallen off the carriage thing and it was just lying in the middle of the runway <laughs> my own i was like wasn't that so when the first time i went to china in 2015 I flew from London to Copenhagen and then Copenhagen. I met met some other people in Copenhagen and then we flew to Beijing. On that first flight from London to Copenhagen, my luggage went to Malaga. <laughs> Had a little lad's <laughs> holiday in Malaga by itself. And then I got it two weeks, no, sorry, about a week later in Beijing. So I had my first week in China with no luggage. And it was, yeah, it was a good way to meet people and be like, oh yeah, hi mate, yeah, can I borrow some underwear? Because I don't have any. <laughs> I don't know. Surely underwear is something you buy. I had like, I had like what? I had like, I, I, I had like technically some underwear and some socks in my bag, but I had my clothes. All I had were the clothes I was wearing, so I was like, you know. Um, it was we, like, we talked about that thing for some reason whenever you go on holiday. It's just been like ingrained into you by your parents that just in case you poo yourself. <laughs> you spare, yeah, it was, it was like. Spare how, yeah, how, how, how many? Yeah, how, how many pairs of underwear do I have for a week? Seven, seven days. How many do I pack for? Uh, go holiday at least nine just in case I piss myself three times like, how many times have I piss myself zero <laughs> but you never you just you just don't know you just you just don't know but now as a parent as a, and especially seeing for like nieces and nephews I completely get why parents have just like an obscene amount of underwear for no reason just because like even if they're fully potty trained they're still just just assume the word it is it, maybe it's, it's, it's like your parents do it too and your kids and then you don't don't stop thinking oh i'm an adult now i probably shouldn't be pissing myself up but you know what i guess i'll just better pack it anyway so yeah. uh, okay yeah, i've got so a question funny. for you guys then um so my mantra 
because I'm just that kind of person. I arrive like three hours minimum early. <laughs> I have food, I have a book, I have like headphones, charger, portable charger. I have my whole setup. I rock up, I get through security and I sit down for about two hours easily. And you can bet you still enjoy myself. look in WH Smith for a book. You go to a food shop to get food oh, yeah. and, a drink, and it's like, it. I have all of this I have, but I'm here for the experience. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I fly a lot. And I still do it. What about you guys? Like, I have ran through an airport slightly I've more never. times. Well, so three times spring to mind. So actually, the end of our holiday in Spain, you may remember that the only reason I managed to get that flight was because that guy you set us up with, Freddie, for that weird ta- like <laughs> that, driving yeah. thing. And I totally he drove exactly like a complete maniac for the entire week. I, I was I was fully resigned to missing that flight because there was no way I was going to get on that plane. And I ran through, and I ran through security. I, I like, so yeah, four times I've had to be like that that guy who has to be like, oh guys, I have to go through security now. I'm really sorry, but and like you have to push away through the like everyone's queuing up in a nice orderly queue, and you just have to say, I'm sorry, I'm gonna miss my flight if I don't cut the queue. So I've, yeah, it's like to be fair, if you don't oh, queuing, you don't mind being a dickhead. That's you know, it's like never, I've never known that as a thing, but you, you can totally you, you can skip the queue if you've got if you if you've got a button buzz. People, no one's going to be like, no mate, get to the back of the queue. Queues like, are just no being polite. Queues are just no yeah. Queues are just being polite, mate. <laughs> That's what the, the airport's just hoping you queue. You don't have to queue. You could be like, it's a, technically you can have a free flight. We won't like it, but we're not yeah. forcing you. <laughs> that is mad. So that time, yeah, I, I had to do it then. Um, the funny one, a friend of mine when we went to Copenhagen. Uh, no, sorry, not. Um, yeah, sorry, we went to Amsterdam, and then when we left Amsterdam, we. We got there, all airports are 24 hours, right? That's a, that's the standard thing. We got there at like four in the morning because we obviously booked like a red eye flight because it was so much cheaper. Um, and we got there and it was like up half two in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, expecting, oh, we'll just go in, we'll have an uncomfortable sleep inside the airport. No, the airport didn't open till six o'clock in the morning. So we like, we just stuck outside the airport for like three or four hours, which is miserable. Aww. And then when we got in, we obviously just sort of fell asleep in the airport and then we got woken up. I think someone like gave us a bag of food because I, mean, I don't know what they would thought. Um, and then like, was a bag of food. and I, I hit my friend <laughs> with my hat to wake him up because I thought like we had to wake up to get the flight. And then um, he thought someone had thrown the bag of food at him, so he was like offended. <laughs> this is really bizarre thing. Anyway, we nearly missed that flight that we uh, had to run through security again for that, and we've been there for like seven hours. <laughs> but nearly missed that. And then um, yeah, a couple. I mean, I, the other day. The last flight I got actually was in 2020 was just like I just sat in the lobby, misread the sign, just chewing in the in the bit, and then didn't actually make it to my dear. Um, honestly, none of if, this if resonates with me whatsoever. Freddie, if, if you and I travel together somewhere, like that, you're gonna you're gonna hate me with a bag. I'm gonna really like and in Thailand as well. I, I ran through an airport in Thailand because I nearly missed my flight. It's you know, I've done a lot of running through airports. It's it's a real exciting exciting bit of a game you play. It's all the, the being delayed is probably all because like for me is like always like we went on a lot quite a few holidays with my mum and stuff like that and so she was always like three hours early to everything but then i imagine like if you've got kids you're like assume everything's going to take way longer than it needs to be like so you just always super prepare and then if you ever go on like a uni trip or anything with school it's like you can bet they're like yeah we're going to make sure we're like five hours early because there's going to be loads of kids and it's going to take time and my friend simon he um when he's doing his he's working during his phd but he um he he lived in London, like a bit out of it. So and then he lived by the train station, which then went straight to the, the airport. And he said the latest he's ever left it was he had about fifteen minutes to catch his flight, and he was still at home to get <laughs> to the train 
to get to the airport and then you didn't because it was just for work you only had like hand luggage so, no, so he said he didn't have to wait for anything like that but he said yeah he's left it being like he got used to the point of leaving it like tw- half an hour until he left his home to get the air to get a flight I feel and like, sick oh because you're so used to being I was like oh I just could never could have that close Oh yeah, no, I'm definitely. The only time I've nearly missed a flight, and this isn't even the topic, it's just about airports, but was because my family and I we needed to get on a ferry to go across from the island to the airport. We were staying, we were in Croatia for our last minute holiday one year, and the ferry was like cancelled, and there was like a big backup queue, and everyone's like, "Ah crap!" Because my family were already leaving like three ferries ahead of time. We just made it across, and like we literally dumped the car that was a rental car like at the side of the road and ran into the airport <laughs> and, like, apparently it worked and we weren't fined but cool um right so i think i think we'll um will it start going for this so the questions to take away it's going to be just a little bit about traffic controllers i feel that's just like a really cool <laughs> thing just you know, they're just Sorry, matter, aren't they? i love that let's let's, let's, let's get away with these stories we're going to turn it down a bit boys right yeah Traffic controllers, uh, like Thomas the Tank Engine, but in for planes, duty free. What's that all about? And safety and pollution. But if you want to, you can also have a little soiree into effectively airports showing off. So if you want to get any like big numbers for that, and lost and found and like baggage claim. Because well, one thing of for if a lot of uh, like concert musicians, a lot of the times, like if you're an orchestra, they will just it is better for them to actually buy two seats and then just bring their, like, if they've got, like, a double bass or a cello, they just bring it on the plane because you can bet it's just not safe enough. If they've got, like, a two grand instrument, usually they don't have the money just to, like, fork out another two grand for an incredible instrument, so it's better not to risk it and just put it next to him. And the same with, like, wheelchairs. Loads of issues with people putting those on to a flight Mm. and they get wrecked and you come out the other end and, like, I actually can't move right now. Like, I am wholly incapable of moving because somebody didn't look after my wheelchair which is again maybe like over 10 grand that's but yeah, so that's cool, yeah. disabilities in airports stuff. that's a whole thing like, yeah. security mm-hmm. disabilities in general that's a, that's, a, that's a whole thing and, yeah well, and also for um, yeah dogs in the hold there's once of they there's a baggage hold they, it has a th- temperature in that and they either turn it on or turn it off for a flight if there's nothing in it, they just turn it off, so it'll be freezing cold, like you're in super high altitude. I know where this is going. Yeah, and sometimes if people's animals have been on, if they forget to turn on the the heaters, then they just freeze. And that's, yeah. So, yeah, that. that. Yeah, that, that I feel I should have ended it a bit nicer. Cheering out, guys. Yeah, cheering so, yeah, so if, you, you know, if, you, if you're travelling with lots of peas, then you'll be fine. But if you... you know. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so so question takeaway, and that's 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 been it. That's been airports. I'd like you to welcome us back to the show. Hello. Um, we've been talking about airplanes. No, we haven't. We've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> airport, I mean, maybe. Sorry. Kind of, kind of airplanes. So. First off, we'll go straight into it. Definition. A complex of runways and buildings for the takeoff, landing and maintenance of civil aircraft with facilities for passengers. And another definition saying, also known as air terminal, aerodrome, 
or airfields, sites and installation for the takeoff and landing of aircraft. An airport usually has paved runways and maintenance facilities and serves as a terminal for passengers and cargo. So, um... Fascinating. What's... I mean, it's just riveting. Uh, so, let's let's get let's get to it. Freddie, take it away. Um, what, what's, what's some nice interesting facts you learned about airports today? So, I learned... Because uh, you asked us to go away about duty-free, so I learned a bit about duty-free. I learned some fun facts about different sized airports, uh, some general facts, and I also had an interview. Well, the only thing I learned about... Did you learn a lot about duty-free? I learned a little bit. Only like uh, a definition of it, effectively. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the overview um, after... Oh, you want to you give your definition then? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Duty-free. <laughs> I was trying to look, what does duty-free mean? And I said, yeah, English word free from taxes. And... The airports get the tax free, but not necessarily the customers. So the shops don't pay tax, but then mm. the customers usually they just have a hefty markup price and a high profit margin in airport shops. Although sometimes they do pay the tax depending on the country they end up in. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we'll take it away, Freddie. Oh, well, uh, I, the little I learned was that. Um, I think Alice is probably going to tell us about the history of it established by Brendan O'Regan in Shannon Airport in Ireland in 1947. Generally, the outlets were abolished for intra-EU travellers in 1999, which was interesting. So like going between EU countries is like, no, you can't do that. Uh, no, you have to pay tax. The world's largest airport by duty-free sales is South Korea's Incheon Airport with US $1.85 billion of revenue in 2016. You can start your duty-free shopping online from the comfort of your home 30 days before your departure date, generally, for most airports. And several airports now have a shop and collect service where you're going on holiday, you go, you buy your duty-free, you then go on holiday, you come back from holiday, and you collect your duty-free. <laughs> Which I just thought was funny. Anyway, that's the general overview I got. So, Alistair, do you have a, a bit more into the history, were you saying, or about the first um, Not too much more than Freddie just said there, like I said, started in 1947. Yes. It, kind of interesting, like you wouldn't have thought Ireland doesn't jump, uh, it was like the obvious birthplace of, uh, of, of yeah. Jeffrey, right? But yeah, well, yeah cause but it, that was just like, so yeah, a bit of a, bit of a money-making wheeze, I reckon. It's because from there they were flying to the North America. Right, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they do it in different airports, it's invariably, depending on where you're flying to, especially if it's outside the EU, probably, probably pre-Brexit, but yeah. Uh, it depends how like you get a better rate if you're flying further abroad. Ah, and apparently, yeah, different Can countries you... charge different things depending. So, mm. some countries you'd find of like, oh, it's it's like I think one you can get like a MacBook, and it would be effectively a hundred pound difference depending on which airport you go to in duty free. Mm. Oh, for for saving and losing money, do you know what product generally you can save a lot of money on? I believe it's aftershave, right? Aftershave and cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, I think Russia is the cheapest for cigarettes. Like considering that, like in some countries, like I mean, Australia, for example, a packet of cigarettes is like forty dollars, which is about forty US dollars like, as well. Tax wise, obviously, they just like yeah, that's yeah. So, yeah but, an idea for this is when we went to Tanzania. So like everything, so say chocolate in Africa, it's imported because they're not making chocolate in Africa more than likely because it's a hot climate. So it's really for tourists, um, and I think it was something like. I think effectively it was like three pounds for a chocolate bar, like a Mars bar, and to give an idea of how much their taxed cigarettes are taxed in the UK, for all their cigarettes were imported, and there was about three pounds for a twenty deck. So effectively, the import tax they had on cigarettes was the same as chocolate bars, whereas so in the U, 
can you imagine like the price difference we have then that's crazy well speaking that's interesting because you know that also in um duty-free uh candy confectionery is often marked up as much as 150 percent more expensive in duty-free <laughs> than in the country like because um, i make money yeah. in confectionery now a couple of my friends who in China, who used to smoke and then quit and then went to China, they were like, "Well, I've got to take up smoking again because you know I'll be saving money because you know I'd be mad, I'll be, I'll be losing money if I don't because it's so cheap over there." That sort of sixty p for a packet of cigarettes. So we talked a little bit about G three. Um, I, I um, one of the things I wanted to look into was um, air traffic controllers for me personally, um, and yeah, they, they manage an aircraft through all aspects of its flight, taking responsibility for the aircraft's safety and ensuring that it lands and takes off on time. Effectively, I'd see it as like, you've got the, the superhero, not the superhero, but you know, like the, maybe the spy, and then you've got like everybody who's behind the spy telling him where to go, Do you know, the man in the ear. That's what they're like. And I imagine that they feel like they get a raw deal when working at an airport. It's like, yeah, but the pilots don't even do anything. All they do is just take off and land. We have to tell them where they're going, what they're doing like if they get a crash into another plane and like yeah so the, and there's two types of controllers there's an air drone controllers and that's the last stage of flight guiding pilots to make a safe landing busy airports aerodrome controllers are divided into air control and ground control and then you have area controllers and they're based at specific control centers and they manage at higher altitudes climb descent en route phase of flight so effectively you have the people who are it's like on the ground more like where you're going to go, make sure you don't crash. And these are the ones who are in the air, again, where you're going to go, make sure you don't crash. Um, I've heard it's very calm. I read that it was very calm in air traffic control. And that it seems, it ends with, in films, it's seen as like a manic place, but actually it's very chill. But apparently it is like super, you've got to concentrate the whole time. So you've got to be constantly switched on, because otherwise, if you're like tired and have an off day, you don't want planes to crash. And yeah, they do everything. They, for like the direction, the weather... They the use radio and radar for all. Uh, for a starting wage in the UK, it's seven because I looked on prospects and I was like, mm, "Let's learn more about the job." Starting wage as an apprentice effectively is seventeen thousand. Then it moves up to thirty-seven to forty-two k, like just a standard controller. And then for a senior controller, you're on the hundred thousand scale, which is like big uh-huh. money. Obviously, it's round the clock kind of stuff, so it's always shift work. So you know, like because they they're always going twenty-four hour, they never stop. So you just need to have that kind of cycle. And I imagine it's high stress, high concentration and kind of like, yeah, proper draining job, I imagine. But cool either way. And English is the international language used in air traffic control. So any any plane that's in the air, it's speaking English. Although apparently there is one sometimes an issue with this of that. Say if you, so pilots will know English, but there may be a bit more of a language barrier with some pilots than others that if you get into a bit of bother it may be that like some more complex terminology they may struggle with a bit i'm not 100 percent sure on that but I've, I've heard of it that effectively if you're for anyone who's got a second language it's not your first language and if it's suddenly like oh man you know like yeah left right up down these kind of standards all the checks <laughs> left but, a bit oh, i forgot to learn the english word for left <laughs> do you know, like there'll be a lot of Back routine to pilot stuff school. But do you know, like, you may get a bit rusty for some, like, complex stuff if you haven't done it in ages. Suddenly, you're like, and now I have to do it in a completely other language, which, again, you may be rusty in. So I can imagine if it's, like, I mean, a lot of it is, like, I, I don't speak German, but I can understand enough at work because it's very specific terminology. But as soon as someone comes in and needs to explain something slightly abstract, I'm gone. Like, I can't mm. understand it, right? Yeah. And so imagine. I can imagine that 
yeah. oh, it's a bit of an abstract kind of situation. Like you need to be here before this time, but after this because of this, and it could get mixed up. Mm. Yeah, and that's not not a disservice to the pilots. More of a case of like you're having to do, you know, any c- country you come from, and like. Yeah, sorry, man. You're gonna have to learn English. <laughs> Just same with science. Like I was chatting to a Hungarian friend, he said all the research papers are in English because it's the language of science. Are there any Hungarian papers? Sometimes, and when there are, it's an absolute dream that is amazing. <laughs> like wow. reading in your own language and not having to read it in English. That's um, really. But yeah. So, Alistair, what did you get up to in the research? What I got to in the research, I was basically looking at actual different airports and sort of like which ones you kind of would want to go to, which ones. You might not. We were sort of saying, like I said, it's the, it's the kind of the first impressions of the country, right? So countries do kind of care about it and actually put in quite a lot of effort. Um, also, I was looking at some sort of like pre nine eleven stuff and how much that changed. Mm. That was pretty interesting. Um, and I was thinking, like, yeah, there's like you kind of forget quite how many airports there are. Like, although you, you think, oh, airports are big ones, but the little tiny ones actually, you know, it's quite quite impressive how much you actually have to do, even though it's a tiny airport. If that makes sense, security wise mm. and everything else is a. Could you go into a bit of like, because saying about the 9-11 thing, you reminded me previously of like, I remember I went to Canada when I was about six or something, I can't remember, and we got to have a look in the pilot's cockpit, I think mid-flight, they were like, oh, would you like, like young kids, would you like to come see like the, like the cockpit, and you're like, yeah, and you got to see it and it was all really cool, and like, you wouldn't even dare dream of doing that now, (laughs) like Mm. somebody opening up the cockpit just to kind of let somebody in. So do you, do you find a bit more about like pre nine eleven stuff? Yeah, pretty, yeah, that's that's obviously that's a really good example. Yeah, there was that. There's obviously the huge difference is like just the the build up to it. Like it used to just be basically the same as getting on a bus. <laughs> like you just rock up, check your luggage, and they'd be like, "Yeah, sure, here you go, we'll get up to the plane." I think how it's portrayed in a lot of movies as well is quite a funny one. With that, like how obviously it's it's a, it's a movie, but yeah, how easy it actually is was you know just 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 that that whole that, that one event basically. You know, change change air travel forever, which obviously changed a lot, a lot more things than just that. But uh, yeah, my question that I was I googled, I looked at a lot of uh, just stats to try and just I really wanted a stat that just told me. Even I I probably would have just believed anything by the end of it, but I couldn't find it. Like, has the increase in security caught more people trying to do bad things? And I couldn't find it anywhere. So I couldn't find any proof that this improvement in security had actually stopped more attacks. Because also you could argue that there are maybe more attacks than there were before. So, you know, how do you balance it? So I couldn't I'm find sure that. I'm sure I heard, is it Ryan Ruins Everything or something like that? That like Adam you know, Ruins Everything. Adam Ruins Everything. That each, I'm sure it said like on the checks, terror. I think they probably catch more people smuggling stuff, but terrorism wise it doesn't really make a difference kind of thing but, yeah, but you can sort of it's, it's a woman to be like oh well, how many do they catch but also it's like how many do people just don't do it who would have otherwise done it <laughs> you know what i mean like it's there terrorism. so you can't you know yeah it's a deterrent so you can't really measure that as a yeah, as an objective yeah. thing yeah something was like we don't know how well it worked because we had one major attack and then after that we made sure it would never happen again so yeah yeah i've got i've got this got this rock it keeps tigers away do you see any tigers around here exactly <laughs> bingo yeah, yeah. Um, well i mean like there's that it has backfired right there was that um quite high high profile story about the uh pilot who drove the plane into the edge of a cliff and no one could get into the cockpit to stop him so it was sort of like wow the twist of that you know yeah had they been able to get into the cockpit they could have stopped him but yeah Pretty, pretty nasty way to go. But yeah. Hopefully in those situations, it's more a case of like mm. checking your pilots. So I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if it's after that, I'm sure it's a case checking of checking you with the mental health. Like, yeah, just, you know, how you doing? Like you pretty extreme things of being like making sure you're like psychologically all there and like safe to fly because at the end of the day, it's not like 
well, even with the driving of a bus, you've still got a lot of people put on a on an airplane. It is like the damage you can do is huge. Mm. Um, mm. Saying about the about the airports being like the first place you go into, um, and like countries put an effort into it. Mad, I was, I was chatting to but my my father-in-law, and he worked on Dubai Airport, and he did Concourse Two, and Terminal Three. So they did it in one go. So I think. Do you mean Concord? No, Concourse. So what's, it's what's it's concourse? I think it's effectively where you go in between terminals. An airport terminal is a building at an airport where passengers transfer between ground transportation and the facilities that allow them to board and disembark from an aircraft. Within the terminal, passengers purchase tickets, transfer their luggage, and go through security. So it's a different part of the airport, effectively. So you think of a terminal, and then that's just another part. Anyway, that cost $2 billion for them to do that. And so two two parts of it. And, which is mad, it took 30,000 people over three years. The, the team they had to build that was 30,000 people, which Jesus is just gosh. an insane amount. And so to give an idea, he was saying that because... At the time, to get that workforce on, you'd have 600... So a coach holds 50, 50 guys. And so in a day, you'd need 600 coaches. And he said it was a constant stream of people in and out, in and out. And he said there's you get airside and landside. If you're airside, it means you're near the planes. That means you have full security to go through, as with any airport. Mm. So imagine 30,000 people you've got to get through, in and out, constant stream. I mean, that's just an airport every day, I guess, but... Absolutely, just mad. That kind of. Did you find out where, like, if the workers go for a different place than the? So yeah, apparently they they go through like a. So it's not the main. What do you call it? Yeah, they go through a separate. I think like with all the staff, effectively, or something like that. So it's not staff entrance. Kinda, yeah. So I I think they still have it. It's not a specific one for them, but yeah, like a. I think there's a separate kind of entrance or something. But the idea of thirty thousand people at any one time on a work site is absolutely ridiculous, and that's three years. Yeah. Two billion, just crazy. I see you were saying about. Um, did you find any other kind of airports which were similar? You know, like it's the first port of call that you come to when you're landing. You think? Well, it's something I've noticed myself when I've been sort of back in the day when I left the UK. Heathrow is quite well known for it, just as, as an example. You know, um, for all of our international listeners, you know, there's lots of Instagram opportunities. I believe you can, uh, you know, there's like some angel wing bits and bobs, really exciting stuff. Uh, but no, just enjoying it. I think, like, I, um, obviously, like I said, Singapore was a standout one with all its, it's like, you know, crazy, like, it's, I think it's got, like, a butterfly garden and all those sorts of things like this, so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> ah, just crazy. Uh, Freddie, so let's uh, let's go to you, Freddie. Go on, go on, give us the deets. Well, mentioning Heathrow Airport, I spoke with Duncan Pickard, who was the head of pavement and infrastructure team, senior project manager, and later the program director for the building of Terminal 2, originally Heathrow East until the end of the project in 2014. Wow, that's there a huge you go. Would you like to hear what he had to say? Yes, please. So the first question I asked was, how much thought goes into planning the design of an airport as the first impression of a country? Because this is what we were, speak- we were speaking about. Uh, his answer was, a lot of planning flaws into the terminal design. As you say, it is the first impression that visitors, business or pleasure get out of the country. Therefore, you're looking to make a baggage reclaim fast and efficient passport control quick and with the shortest possible queues. He did then add that this is actually driven by border force and not the airport operator and that the issue of queues at passport control is usually dependent on the number of officers. This is governed by border force. The airport operator's role is to design a facility with the right number of desks, the ability to introduce new technologies such as e-passports and also provide a pleasant environment as there will inevitably be some queues. 
There is also a requirement to enable BorderForce to monitor passengers remotely. The next question I asked, which was, are there any surprises in the costs of building terminals? Because, I mean, like you just mentioned about the two, was it two billion? Two billion, yeah. That's, that's crazy. He said, there's not actually any surprising costs in general, just costs specific to airports. Sometimes they account for different things, but there's not really a surprise. It just depends on the airport. Um, yeah, for a thing called budgeting, so uh, we know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, so... In general, he said that security working airside is expensive. Like you just said about the 300,000 people or 30,000 people. It's expensive because all of the people, equipment and material have to be screened. Not just the people, everything they bring with them. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Yeah. Is this a bomb? No, it's not. It's, it's just lunch. some tools, mate. <laughs> yeah. You asked that yesterday sandwich. <laughs> and the day before. Yeah. Um, I then asked if he had any interesting facts. And he said it was surprising that actually totally new terminal buildings, runways or airports are rare. Usually it's just redevelopment of existing areas, which is the case for Heathrow Terminal 2. This is a redo of an airport, I think, from uh, a terminal since built in Victorian times, I think. Wow. Um, And I just asked if there's anything he'd like to add. And he finished with saying... He would say that Heathrow has led the world on developing fantastic terminal buildings, starting with T5 and lately T2, both designed to make the experience of flying a real pleasure, great design and a wayfinding to make them easy to navigate and fantastic facilities for retail, shopping and F&B. And I thanked him for his time. Oh, thank you very much, Duncan. Yeah. So I'm curious, Fred, you just said um, the first airport in Victorian times, right? No, no, it's not the first. I think... It, Terminal Two was built in Victorian times. It's just it's been re, revamped. Okay, only because yeah, up. I just googled like Victorian times officially ended in 1901, and the Wright brothers' first ever flight ever was in 1903. So <laughs> I feel like airports in Victorian times don't have a huge amount of uh, crossover. Balloons, uh, come on now. I think I might be mixing something up. Like it was called Victoria or something. Am I? I think I, there's there's something to do with that that I missed. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. House is always going to be busting your balls. Horse-drawn <laughs> no, <but> <laughs> planes. <laughs> hey, that's good. Like, I mean, you have to, you have to check it. There you go. It was originally known as the Queen's Terminal. I'm just mixing everything up in my head. Yep, my bad. It was I... obviously built post the invention of flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just like, mm, you know what? <laughs> that is funny. It's pretty close. Uh... Only two years. Two years up. One fun thing for I thought about the, the, the pollution of airports. They said study have found that if you live near an airport, you experience a higher rate of respiratory problems due to airplane emissions, which I think you could probably imagine is the same with if you, you live next to a busier road, you can bet your lungs are going to be a little bit blacker than somebody who lives in middle of nowhere. And from, this is Salvino, our Freddy, as in Dr. Salvino from uni. He's done, and this is also from a PhD student who, we made mates with Andy Wolfton. Their studies they did was on chiff chaffs with in the Manchester airport uh, near the airport to see what the kind of effects were. So they, they went in between kind of more natural ones and then ones near an airport, and they found out that they're way more aggressive <laughs> and they've got a lower frequency. They were like a pot- smoker's cough, which, basically. Yeah, and it suggests <laughs> it's potential impaired hearing. But the way they knew the more aggressive is when they had a little speaker doing chiff chaff calls birds were five times more likely to attack that speaker emitting the bird song. So oh. it's like, oh, well. We lost a lot of speakers doing this time. <laughs> but yeah, it shows that thing of the effect airports have on natural wildlife. I mean, let alone is it bad for us in the sense of, you know, you're going to have more issues, like respiratory issues. 
um, or a higher likelihood of them, you're also like just general wildlife nearby is being affected by it. Mm. I saw quite a funny, um, interesting thing recently, actually, which is related to this very much so, and it was just like such a simple example that I haven't actually heard before. Um, it's just basically saying, pretty undisputable fact, right, that if you go into your garage, all shut up, turn, sit in the car, petrol-powered, petrol-diesel car, turn it on, and sit in there, you will die, right? From like, you know, like the, yes. the, the emissions. Are, it's pretty well known that that would happen, right? It's like just that is what is happening to the earth just in a bigger way with all the like, you know, billions of cars driving around all the time. It's like, I mean, yeah. It's a pretty good point, actually, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a <laughs> like, solid point. The garage yeah, is you know what? the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I'll give you some fun facts that I learned? Yeah, go for it. Um, I don't know if you guys want to throw in anything on these. Um, do you know that airports can sell lost luggage? Oh, I have heard this. They, they auction it, and you, you yeah. can just buy like a random. You don't even know what's in it, and so it's like a like a sort of lucky dip of like what's in this luggage. Ooh. That's wild. I don't know how it works with different airports. Um, airports charge airlines an exorb- exorbitant fee for the privilege of landing on their runways on certain days or times. In fact, can you give me a guess for how much in 2016 Oman Air paid Air France for an early morning arrival slot at London Heathrow Airport for? I don't even know if there was an event then, but I don't know. I don't know. Wimbledon. But yeah, guess how much for an early morning arrival slot? 10,000, I don't know. 10,000, nice. Alistair? Okay, like 26,000. 75. 75,000. Million. Oh my days. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh. To land I, one plane? I don't know if it's one plane or if it's like a slot for a couple of planes. Like, but is, yeah. it, is every seat first class? <laughs> I don't know. It just says, in 2016, Oman Air paid Air France $75 million for an early morning arrival slot at London Heathrow Airport. I have no idea. I, I love the idea of like some like, you know, like passenger pilot with like two seats in it. He's like, yeah, that's $75 million. Whoa, no. Pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> no, it just comes as a parking ticket. They just put it in the place. <laughs> windscreen. Yeah, when you, when, you, when you leave, when you leave through the, through the, uh, yeah. through the gate. But they say, they say this is the key reason why airfares increased over the past 10 or so years, past decade. Um, I mean, that's in all the times you've got us to guess anything on this podcast, we've never been that wildly out. Whereas we were oh, both yeah. fully, fully invested that you were going to say 75,000 after we wow. lowballed it with, you know, 10,000 and 20 <laughs> something. That's amazing. Um, to finish off my fun facts, 74% of flights arrive on time. So about three quarters. Um, so they, they kind of edit arrival times or change them as they go to make Without it look knowing. like plans of planes are landing on time the letter x in airport codes means nothing so lax is just la it's just that they had to add an x because they needed three losses three letters okay oh i, oh, I wasn't sure yeah. if it's because you know because like, of repeated stuff but it's just to get the three letters yeah no to be fair there's not and, that many um, that only have two right i i mean pff, i don't know like, but like, i just thought I mean, couldn't I London just have L? Yeah. LA is a nickname. Yeah. It's not, yeah. I guess. You could, right? And my last one is just angles. airports are designed to stop you from getting lost. Like, it's meant to be super easy to navigate through them, which is how they're laid out. Hmm. That's cool. They're my that fun facts. Um, not a fun fact, but just a kind of a by proxy. That's cool. So somebody I used to work with, he, um, his dad uh, f- flew for Iraqi Airlines. But... My mate has a picture of his dad with hit so him as the pilot shaking hands with Saddam Hussein on a flight because he gave him like thing. I was like, I mean, 
I mean, that's just mad, though, isn't it? Could you imagine, like, wow. having that photo? You'd be like, oh, wow, wow. So, yeah, he's showing me this picture, and you're like, look at this, look at this. I was like, wow, that's insane. That's um, a... That is a really, yeah, interesting oh, so Seriously thing. niche. Seriously niche. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but Alistair, any got any, or Freddie, any little extra facts before we start to wrap up? Size of airports. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the, the, the tear on the scales. Okay. The tear of the scales. We're going to scale, we're going to scale up. Heathrow is 12.14 kilometers squared. Okay. Keep that in your head. 12.4. Okay. 12.14. Okay. Fair enough. Good, big, small, not Ooh, sure. That sounds big. Sounds How big's yeah. the smallest airport? Kilometre square. I feel like less than that, yeah. I actually it's couldn't get a, a square for like it. A, it's just 400 metres long. <laughs> I was going to say, there'd be one, it's just it's one runway, right? It's a runway yeah. in a building. <laughs> it's the Juanco or Juancho, not sure how to say it, Urauskin Airport. As you can imagine, it's it's... it's pretty small okay then we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the big boy how big is king fad international airport in damam saudi arabia oh. kilometers squared it's gonna be a doozy so what was he though 12 12 75 million <laughs> <laughs> not far off i, I want to say like in the hundreds as in like let's say 700 776.996 It was 75 million, more or less. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Are you this, is, this is the size of New York City. So, so it's 70... So, so, again, so, it's, so you have to get to your flight six hours early because it takes you two hours to get across the airport. 776 square K. Wow. That's still an outrageous site. Like, yeah. but, 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 but I was like picturing this metropolis of like shops it's not like this this is mainly the um... it's just got really long runways <laughs> really <laughs> yes long. okay alistair you've heard yourself a question how long are its runways <laughs> you've heard yourself a, a question uh, yeah, i feel like they're going to be around about seven kilometers uh no four k four kilometers wow still pretty long yeah and it's a, but it's actual buildings the airport building itself is just 36.75 kilometers squared which is just more than more just than triple double the size of yeah, triple the size of Heathrow. <laughs> I think Heathrow is like twelve, right? It is actually, yeah, you're right. So it's, that's much exactly triple. That's triple. Oh, that's like, what? Yeah, one thing I've seen of um, yeah, I think it's Terminal Two in Dubai. That's like one and the building's like one and a half kilometers long, and that's like a building. Like it's just so long. We use bikes to go from the staff room <laughs> to the toilet. <laughs> really bad management of. <laughs> facilities you can't get lost but you will get tired when you're walking around the circle <laughs> all my steps I in um, i was just, no, my final thing about you saying when um about getting lost in airports also how it's hard to get lost it's also you know just really good for a quick bit of cardio to get a bit of running you know when you're missing your flight so <laughs> this is more like a life pro tip of feeling a bit you like know, yeah. sluggish from that like, constant traveling how about just do some cardio in the airport go to saudi get, arabia get, get late yeah so get you know. I guess if you just ran around, like you just go to the airport to do laps, and everyone thinks you're late for a flight, we <laughs> actually just do laps. <laughs> you just got joggers up. You got your joggers, so that I must just be like a bit more relaxed with the flight. Yeah, just gonna do a quick 700k run, just you know. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh, so I'll, um, I'll I'll wrap up there. Thank you. That's that's been the the exciting topic of airports. I hope you've learned a little bit more. We definitely have. It's been fun. And um, thanks 
to Duncan as well for giving us a little bit more info on Terminal 2 and Heathrow. That's a proper guest on the show. Well, before we do this, we're going to go to the best time of the week. Uh, it's Johnny's little facts for the day. Here we go. Are you ready for it? Yeah, of course you are. So we've learned about airports. The next logical thing is to dog shaking. I mean, it's got to be. So when dry dogs shake off, do you, know, you see your dog and it'll do a little shake? And you're like, well, you're not wet. I mean, I never really think of a dog as being wet or always shaking. The reason they do this is for a few different things. First and foremost, they are shaking off stress. <laughs> How mad is that? So humans do the same thing. What are the dogs scary... stressed about? Oh, it's a stressful thing. They've got like no. <laughs> it's the opposite of stress being a dog. Right. But humans do the same thing. After scary or worrisome encounters, they take a deep breath while saying, Phew, shake off behavior is your dog's response to dealing with stress. So Is that you... uni- universal to all humans? I've got to ask. I'm assuming that yeah, if you're a little bit scared, you mean like something you do for like dealing with stress, you may physically react, I guess. So it's going for a wee really stressful because I know people get their pee shivers. <laughs> pee shivers, yeah. Uh, but yeah, how fun's that? So the next time, if you ever like, because sometimes you can bet we're putting Tedzers to bed and then Harvey comes in with his collar and he shakes and it's like, dog, shut up. And then he's just shaking. He wants to come into the room, shake off some stress and leave. <laughs> like, what's the need? Guys, you shook your stress all over the room. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so there you oh, go. How, how nice is that? I think it's to do with actually like like a build-up of um, chemicals in the body and it's like actually physically like moving stuff around. But yeah, how nice is that? Cool. The next time they're shaking, you're like, don't worry, bud. Take that little chill pill. Have a shake. And there we go. That On that on that um, nutshell of a little fact for you, I've been on that nutshell, Johnny. I'm <laughs> this has been That's Alistair. Quite good. I quite enjoyed that. And it's also been Freddy. Thank you for listening to No Idea. Yeah. Thank you for listening to No Idea Yet. If you like the show, you can always follow us on Instagram. It's No Idea Yet Podcast. And if you have any comments, information you thought we missed, or recommendations for the future, drop us an email on noideayetpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned every Saturday when we drop a new episodes. And thank you for listening.